we're in part three of a, a message series on life by design, on living God's design for our lives. And today I uh, want to talk to you about how to land back on your feet. And I want to talk to you about how important it is to level off rocky roads. All of us at some point or another go through a rocky season. When we talk about our relationships or our business going through a tough time, we describe it like that. We say, it's a little rocky at the moment. But the Bible is full of instruction about leveling off the road so that our paths find straight roads to follow. You know, when I learned to drive many, many years ago, my father thought it was wise to teach me to drive in a Land Rover Defender short wheelbase. Now, I still love the vehicle, but a Land Rover Defender short wheelbase is not the easiest vehicle to learn to drive. In my years, you're also, uh, those years, you're also al allowed to learn to drive on the beach. It's not allowed now. We were driving over turtles. And so, so uh, uh, yet again, another animal harmed in this telling, telling of one of my stories. Um, the SPCA is going to come for me. And I'm quite sure. Um, but uh, it, was, it was quite challenging. And I remember learning to drive uh, in the short wheelbase Land Rover that had been refurbed. And in the middle of the twists and the turns on the sand dunes, my father said, open the window. And I said, look, that is asking one thing too much right now. I, between keeping the vehicle out of the ocean and avoiding the wildlife and changing gears and moving it into four by four mode, you'll just have to sweat it out. Sometimes when you're on a bit of a rocky road, some of the essentials are just too much for you. It's impossible for you to stay on top of them. And yet the Bible is full of important instructions about how to get a straight path. A lot of us, our road is too crooked and it's too complicated and it needs to be simplified. Now I know that this is not what you felt like coming to church for. So I'll give it to you in another language, in another phraseology. The Lord sent me to tell you, you're going to land back on your feet again. The church is landing back on her feet again. Your business will land back on its feet again. Your spiritual life will land back on its feet again. It will go through some twists and turns. Here's my nerd story for the morning. Another plant story for my Canadian friends, Olivia and Ronald in Canada. This will be especially for you. I love maple trees. I grow a few. They go orange this time of year. It's pretty cool if you're a plant nerd. But they made seeds. And I thought, I'll make more. I'm not giving 200 bucks to the nursery. I'll plant those seeds. I'll make my own maple trees. I YouTubed it. It was complicated. You go to get the seeds and you go to stratify them, which means to put them in a container and put them in your freezer for three months so they think that they've had a winter in Canada. Then you go to get it out. Then you go to spray them with water. Now that 200 bucks at the nursery is not sounding so bad. Now you go to spray them and put them in a, in a tissue paper and then you go to put them in a drawer so they think it's a dark winter for eight days. Now I got seeds in the freezer and seeds in the drawers and seeds on the ground. And I took those seeds and I probably did about 60 of them and I planted them in the ground. And then there was a cold day and a hot day. And then YouTube doesn't tell you because suddenly on the YouTube clip, they just grow on super speed. Not one of those seeds grew. 
That's not the story and thanks for laughing. <laughs> Meanwhile, I go downstairs to where the maple trees are and there amongst the paving. Yes. <laughs> they didn't go into a freezer. They, I didn't have to darken them or lighten them or do a thing to them. Thanks YouTube for sending me here and there and everywhere. They grew by themselves in the paving where I don't want them. None of mine grew, not, not. You're joking and laughing, but I'm coming for you because some of you are living your life, getting your advice from YouTube and you're getting information. It's taking you here. It's taking you there. You're in end times. You're in this, you're in that. You're over here. You're over there. None of it is growing. None of it is fruitful. None of it is helpful. Meanwhile, Jesus is busy growing stuff in your backyard and you're not paying attention to it because you have decided to take the complicated way to things and not the simple way. Matthew, I'm feeling very charismatic this morning. I'm in it all the way. Matthew chapter 13 says, the seeds that fell on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. No problem there. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. There's a danger that when things get a little rocky, it exposes that our roots are shallow. And sometimes, God deliberately allows for a rocky season in our lives so that we can learn to dig deeper and become a little stronger. In Hebrews chapter 12, the Bible says, therefore strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. And look at this, make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Do you know, Sometimes the reason why you're getting hurt or injured or disappointed is because the road you're on is too rocky and you need to have a straighter path so that you can enjoy the victory of what God has in mind. Some people's relationships, so complicated. Some people's views, so complicated. You need a table of content to analyze and understand. I'm a little worried that all that's doing is putting rocks in your way. I started Googling too many things, eventually decided to stop. If you Google something about why you don't sleep at night, next thing, you know, online, is, you, you, then you've got depression. If you, you know, don't like eating dairy, then, you know, you've got a cancer. If you don't do a thing, why, why do we research in the dark more than we research in the light? What if the Bible says you're not sleeping as much as you, you used to because the Lord is waking you up for a time of prayer and refreshing to grant a vision to you? Why does it have to be a psychological condition? Why can't it be a spiritual victory? You're on the wrong road. It's rocky that road you're on. It's not a good road. I had a couple of rocky experiences over the last couple of years, I'll admit it. One or two of them made me want to have much more of a private life. I remember sitting in Cyprus and thinking, I would be okay if I went off social media and lived a discreet, quiet life. I did think that. I've had two stalkers for five years. They have taken me to the edge of my patience. 
One stalker literally sleeps outside my gate at night on several occasions. Both of them have psychological issues. I've attempted to get both of them to therapy. The one who sleeps outside my house believes I'm supposed to turn him into a preacher. And when I couldn't see it, they tried to steal a jacket to wear out my house so that the anointing, you know these funny anointing things like your jacket, my jacket, like I bought the jacket, so it's my jacket. There's no we in this jacket story. <laughs> we were not involved in the purchasing. It, it really, it's been five years, five years of uh, surprises in the middle of the night, climbed over my wall at three o'clock in the morning. But the pit bull knew. No, she did. She went ballistic opened the door and went after him. And just, he wants to know about an anointing. I did never see a man jump in one leap. One leap, 1.8. Pastor George, he said, it's me. I said, go girl. I've had another stalker for five years, convinced they'll marry me, convinced I'm sending subliminal messages while I'm preaching, something they decode when they get home and they're like, it's just outrageous. I'm a grown man. If I was interested in you, I would phone your number and take you to Vovotelo for a cup of coffee. I'm not 14. Sending messages. I know, I know it's sickness, but I'm over it now. Rocky roads. But you've got to be careful that you don't start adjusting your calling because other people are putting rocks in the road. You have to be very wise about that because if, you, if people throw stones, you've got to watch out that that doesn't change where your path goes. And the Lord really spoke to me about that. It's like, you've got to wise up about that. In Luke chapter three, verse three, it says, and he went into all the region uh, and all uh, uh, of Jordan preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. This is John's job. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah, the prophet saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight and the rough ways smooth. Do you know, I always read this scripture and I prayed that God would do that for me. I, and I, then I had to reread it. And I'll admit, I read it in the Greek translation because it's a little better. That landed badly. They're like, what? Nah. I had to reread that because it's not what I thought it, it can be, but it's not what I thought it was. I used to say, Lord, will you make my crooked places straight? Will you level off every high hill? Do you know that verse says, no, I must make a straight path for the Lord. Prepare the way for Him. You see, you got to stop making God's path to you complicated in your life. You've got to level off some things and straighten out some things so that the road between you and the Lord is uninterrupted, is level, has a line of sight and is easy to achieve. Now, the Lord has to chase you down through all kinds of mathematical equations. You're doing your business dealings like this and your relationship dealings like that. Jesus is trying to find you to bless you, but you are slippery. Okay, that's, that's the harshest I'll be today. I'm just going to move on. It's going to move on. It's like, no, one day he's got stalkers. <laughs> Ezekiel chapter two. Um, have I skipped a verse? I think I did. I, I did. I'm sorry. I want to read that uh, Psalm 110. 
The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Do you know, I would love to preach about the footstool in our spiritual journey sometime. I like nothing more than sitting on one of those chairs. I have one of those chairs at home called the EM's chair. It's a knockoff though. You sit on it and it comes with a footstool. Let me tell you the spiritual significance of that. The Bible says you are seated with Christ in heavenly places, but watch out where you put your foot. Well, some people are seated in heavenly places, but you're resting your feet on the wrong footstools. You're resting your feet on money. You're resting your feet on certain relationships. You're resting on fe- your feet on a social life. You're resting your feet on different things. And the Bible says, no, you've got to watch out. Everything that you, 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 you put your foot on needs to be submitted under Christ. That's why you're comfortably saved but you're uncomfortably journeying because your feet are rested on the wrong things. We have to have wisdom about that and to make sure that our path doesn't become or remain too rocky for us. So I've built all of this conversation up in order to tell you about three rocks or rocky outcrops in your road that you absolutely need to deal with so that the path is straight and that your foot is not disconnected and that God is able to bless you. All three of them are going to bite a little. Let's pretend that the next three points have been prepared with that chili pepper I had at home. I'm going to throw it in and it'll bite a little. But if you'll let the Lord minister with it, it'll change your outcome about landing on your feet and having straight paths for your life. The first idea is this. The road gets rocky when you get offended. Never before, as far as my lifetime, and I've been doing this a hundred years, never before has it been so easy to offend people. In fact, we've reached the point where it's wiser to say nothing about anything in case somebody gets offended. People are offended in the church and people are offended out of the church. People are on their way to being offended. People have a ministry of offense. People are called to analyze offense. We're doing everything except walking. It's a dangerous circumstance to be in that we're in. Last Sunday, I did an altar call, an opportunity for people to give their lives to Jesus. Somebody messaged me and said, am I sure that I can still say that, that Jesus is absolutely the only way? Of course I'm sure of that. That's the road we're on. I don't know the road you're talking about, but it doesn't get you where I'm going. We're going to heaven where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. There aren't other seats empty there. This is the road. It's becoming difficult to say things straight anymore. That's dangerous because crooked paths create injuries. Hebrews said, watch out that you don't get dislocated because of the road you're on. It's becoming more and more challenging to just say, this is the way it is, and not to be offended. Look at what Luke chapter 17 says. When he said to his disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea um, than to offend one of the little ones of these. Take heed to yourselves. 
if your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day and returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. You know, this scripture is so powerful. It says we're gonna permanently live in a world of potential offence. You just gotta deal with it. You gotta forgive one another, love one another, accept differences in one another. Probably right now, I'm not preaching something someone wishes I was. Probably right now, somebody's at home a little offended with church. You're online, but you probably won't pop in. You're a little irritated. Maybe you sent me one of those graphs about how everything connects to um, Bill Gates and you had hoped I would show it. On a Sunday, I got so many of those during lockdown, it's not even funny. But I mean, I've lived long enough to remember similar graphs with Gorbachev because he had a stain on his forehead and the saints went crazy about 666. That poor guy was actually the first president who allowed the open worship of Christianity in Russia, but the saints weren't having any of it. He was evil. I've seen the graphs over the years. I think they're interesting, well worth a read on a Monday or a Tuesday. Maybe a good conversation on a Friday at a bra, but it is not worthy of a pulpit on a Sunday. <laughs> on a Sunday, it's about Jesus Christ, Him crucified, buried and resurrected. And it's about following after His footsteps. That's the Sunday story. On Monday, we can look at the graphs. But on Tuesday, we're gonna look at the Scriptures. We've got to get past our offences. Some people upset not enough masks, too many masks, not fighting government, should be fighting government. I agree with all of them. I support everything you want to support, but I don't preach it because that is not worthy of the pulpit. If you've been around long enough, you, this is not new. This is not new. What is always reliable is one straight road. Jesus Christ is Lord. That's reliable. When you get, you know, when you have to over-explain it, you might have to change it. When you over have to over-explain it, you might have to change it. I want to encourage you to be wise about that. Ezekiel chapter 2 verse 2 says, Then the Spirit entered me when he spoke to me and set me on my feet and I heard him as he, who, him who spoke to me. I love this verse because when I grew up in the faith, it was a compliment if when the Spirit touched you, you fell. Now some of you are like traumatized by that thought, but I grew up like that. When the Holy Spirit like touched people, that's how, you know, we could give it a go afterwards and but I'll tell you what I love about this verse is sometimes when the Spirit of God touches your life, He sets you up on your feet. Less falling, more standing. Less wobbling, more walking. Less uncertainty, more clarity. Less feelings, more faith. Less offence and more certainty. This verse is like the Spirit of God saying, come on, get up, get up, get up, get up. Okay, enough crying, enough moaning, enough offending, enough. All over the Bible, people have had these experiences. 
prophets upset with kings, kings upset with prophets, everybody's offended. I think we should offend in one way. We should be an offense to Satan and sin and not allow it to prosper. And we should be determined for Christ. The second idea I want to share with you on how you make your road too rocky is this. When I just get by rather than go big, I make a rocky road. Do you know God called you for bigger things? And when you make your world smaller, it starts to get sticky. I don't know if you've noticed this, but little things bother you when you're small-minded. Little things are easy to shake off when you're thinking of bigger things. I thought about that in my own life and in church life. You've got to let go of the little stuff because you're pursuing God for something great. If somebody isn't for you, move on and say, there are more that are for me somewhere else. You know, there's a great verse in the Bible that says, those who walked away from you were never meant for you. God meant for somebody else to fill the gap. Maybe you lose a contract and it for something you regret, a business deal that you're disappointed by, or maybe you asked her to marry you and she said no. And that's not a hint to anybody subliminally. It's just an example. Gosh. Got to get past it. Move away from the nose and allow the small-minded stuff to stay behind. Joshua is a classic example of that in chapter one. God says to him, Moses, uh, your servant, the servant is dead. Now then, Bad experience. Joshua relied on Moses, end of an era, end of a season. Joshua's getting a little upset, disappointed. What are we going to do? And then here's what God says. Now then, you and all these people, get ready. Cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give you, uh, to, to the Israelites. And I will give you every place where you set your foot. Remember what we're talking about, straight paths and footstools and where I put my feet and how long I keep them there. And as I promised it with Moses, just because Moses is gone doesn't mean my plans are gone. Just because something changed in the equation doesn't mean my plan has changed in the equation. Get up, Joshua, cross over to the other side, leave the small stuff behind, aim for something big as I was with Moses. I'm going to be with you. If you're into highlighting verses or copy pasting them, 2 Samuel 22, 37 is awesome. It's a promise in the Bible. It says, Lord, you enlarge my path under me so my feet do not slip. Oh, I love that. I love the idea that as I'm walking and things come my way, God just enlarges my path that I can't slip. There's an entire subsection of Scripture in the Psalms about how God takes a righteous person and makes his feet like the feet of a deer that can jump across mountains and rocks. Don't worry about me. We'll land on our feet because of Christ. Rocky roads come and go. Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. Sort out your offences. Quit small-mindedness. It can't get to you 
because you should be occupied with bigger things. These things are small matters. And somebody says to me, this has happened or that. I get as irritated and disappointed as you on some things. I'm starting to see much bigger pictures than just the little ones around me. There's one more thing I wanted to share with you on how to get your path straight, get rid of the rocks on the road. When you're arguing, you're not building. Do you know, it is a great trick of the devil to occupy you in theory and not in practice. Theories are interesting, but not life-changing. There's a story in the Bible in Nehemiah, it's well known. People were building a wall. It was the restoration of something meaningful. And in the middle of the construction, some guys came over for a visit. They were jealous of the construction. And so they said to them, don't you want to come down, meet us at the coffee shop? Let's have a cappuccino together and talk about it. At Warehouse One, after the service, where you should linger. Buy yourself a Seattle. Have I gone too far now? Sorry. But let's be honest, that lemon meringue is heaven sent. <clears throat> and do you know what the, the men of faith said? Come and meet with us at the coffee shop in the valley of Onon. I knew they were scheming to hurt me. So I sent messages back with them. I'm doing a great work. I can't come down. Why should the work come to a standstill just so I can come down to see you? Have you ever said that to something or someone in your heart? Have you ever said, if I keep going, if I keep having these conversations, it'll prevent me from getting going on the good work that God has called me to do. You can't over explain what God's called you to do. Just quit explaining it and start doing it. Sometimes people love to talk and occupy their time with conversation, but never with action. I've had a lot of people say to me, how's the church doing after lockdown? My answer is, God is doing a great work. This and that church generally's best days are on their way. People will fill the houses of God with an eagerness to do life properly in the next generation. But beyond that, we're not going to have a conversation about what's good and what's not. What we'll do is we'll build. I want to encourage you, get going. Too much talk can sometimes just be a delay on what God has in mind. In Romans chapter 16, has a verse in it that is so well known, your kids learn it in kids' church. Incidentally, I think we broke kids' church record attendance last Sunday uh, in our North End home base facility. That's clappable, I think so. It's also evidence of lockdown, I guess. Yeah, just moving on. Just a lot of kids under two. <coughs> Okay, okay, I'm moving on. Okay, I get it. Let's not discuss it. It's inappropriate. Don't talk about it at a coffee shop. Just 
side doing a great work. Romans 16, 20 is the verse. And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Let's end by going to Genesis and coming right back. Do you remember the curse after Adam and Eve fell? God said to Adam, the ground will be hard for you to work. To Eve, childbirth will be a burden. To the snake, you're going to crawl on your stomach. And he said, and you, the serpent, metaphorically, another animal harmed in the telling of a story. It's metaphorical. The snake will go for your heel. The devil will try to stop you from walking. But you must respond by crushing. You've got to crush it. I know that's a contemporary, like you're doing well, you're crushing it. Spiritually, the devil is going for your heel. Your heart is too high for him and it's in Christ's hands. But your heel is where you walk. That's why Jesus had to wash the disciples' feet because uh, it's a whole thing. Uh, they were walking close to the ground. When you walk close to the ground, the devil can come, can come for your heel. You don't play games, crush. Since I've already gone so far in telling unkind animal stories, let me finish with this one. I'm for sure going to be in trouble. I actually do love animals. I really do. I would never do any of these things uh, that I uh, suggest, except maybe those starlings. I've rebuked them in Jesus' name. You should see me out there. Jesus' name, go. And they come and they eat my figs. I'm watching a, a, one of my favorite programs the other day. Um, just like, a, I don't know what it's called, the world's best food channel or something. It's a YouTube thing. He's in the Bahamas. You know who, who I'm talking about? It's the guy's name, Sonny. He's in the Bahamas. Shouting to the nicest. I mean, the people from the Bahamas are such nice people. This lady is awesome. She is friendly and bubbly and Christian. And she's got Jesus stuff on the background, on the back, on the wall. And he is trying so hard not to be evangelized, but she isn't having any of it. She just lent in. God is good and God is this. And she said to him, come, let's prepare a meal. Where are we going to meet? In the church. She used the church kitchen. Like she really wanted him to know. Jesus is Lord around here. They were going to eat crab. And she takes out her crab like as sweet as she is. The sweetest lady, the kind of lady you want to be your grand. That crab is still alive. And he says, don't those nippers bite? Oh, she says, yes. She says, you just take it like this. That crab standing there with its eyes, no pincers. Still alive. It's aggressive, eh? And she goes, chup, 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 each leg. Leaves it there. You should have seen his face. He started sweating. He was like, am I the witness to a murder here that just took place here? Still as sweet as can be. Oh, Jesus is good, Jesus is good. I wonder if you're so sweet that you wouldn't handle the devil properly. Have you got the guts of the tension between sweetness and seriousness. That if you find the pincers of the devil, it'll be like, I just give me a second while I'm singing, I raise a hallelujah. Shop! Yes. 
Keep going, Matt. We raise our hand. No problem. The devil with two of those eyeballs that look like the emojis. Stop playing. Stop playing. Stop singing one thing and then making complicated parts, rocky parts, shallow parts. Now you've got to explain it and discuss it and get back to it. No. Lord, make straight paths for my feet. Prepare a way. Level off every high hill. A highway, the Bible says, of righteousness for our God. Would you please stand with me as we pray? To the snake lovers and crab aquarium keepers, I apologize. Only metaphorical, eh? Just metaphorical. But I'm going to pray for straight paths. Next Sunday, Ray Bevan is here. The man is a gift. You, 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 the kind of guy you invite your friends to. Morning and evening, men's breakfast on Saturday, golfing, uh, what? Friday, Friday, Friday. Men's breakfast on Friday. Nothing on Saturday. Church on Sunday. It's been years since I've known what's gone on around here anyway. Not even going to pretend. <clears throat> Let's pray. Lord, thank you for straight paths. Thank you like John's ministry of preparing a way that we, we will equally learn to prepare a way. Thank you, Lord, that you do level off mountains and make straight paths for us. But we also have a duty of, of preparing a way. Lord, today we pray that every rock in the road will be moved out the way and we'll have a straight and clear path. The narrow road, Scripture encourages us all to find, to go through the narrow gate because few there be that find it. Would you teach us to walk that kind of life? And today, in the name of Jesus, we acknowledge the need to keep it straight, to keep it simple, and to follow after you. We reject the unnecessary complications and complexities of a worldly system. And we accept the simplicity of a life of faith in Jesus' name. And everybody said, would you give God a shout of praise, worship and, and thanksgiving?